Welcome to the Pay Yourself First podcast. My name is Chris Jolly, and I'm on a mission to financially empower millions of entrepreneurs. I want you to make and keep more money so that you can begin implementing and turbocharging a plan for creating financial freedom your way during the life cycle of your current business without spending a ton of time or becoming a professional investor. You see, most of the financial teachings out there are made for employees, not entrepreneurs. If you wouldn't listen to someone who doesn't have kids about parenting, why take business financial advice from someone without a business? Are you ready to break free of bad advice and follow the trail of other uncommon entrepreneurs so you can get from where you are now to the lifestyle you were aiming to create when you started your business? Then stick around. Here comes another episode of Pay Yourself First, where the only investment we offer is the one you make in yourself. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm very excited today, as I always am, because we have another amazing entrepreneur on. His name is Pete Barter. The business name is Sammy, and it's an admin software tool for musicians. I'm sure he'll be able to explain it better than I can. Pete, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and coming on. My pleasure. You've explained it perfectly well. That's all that needs to be said. Okay, awesome. Very good. Then I'm going to make you say a little bit more about it anyway. So tell us exactly who you serve in your business and how you got started doing this. Musicians are not known for having amazing admin skills. Now, I know that doesn't offend many musicians because they own up to that fact. They Musicians are creative, not administrative. So the people that we serve in our organization, those musicians that have potentially moved from being a one or two night per week performer, playing in bands or solo and, and writing one or two invoices a week and getting paid a week or a few months later. And that can't really be sustainable in most cases for many musicians. So moving into the teaching world and what I find that most musicians are really good at is communication. And they've spent so many years learning a craft that they're actually really good at playing and they can be really good at teaching, not always, but they can be. So when they move from being just a performer into music educator as well, now they're running a business and that business requires scheduling. It requires admin. It requires invoicing, not three invoices a week. Now we're talking, if you've got 40 students a week, you're potentially writing 40 invoices every term or every week and chasing those payments and doing it in a way that you still get paid, not the old, it's all right, pay me later, pay me when you can, because the music education industry is an extremely large multi-billion dollar industry. So what we do know is a lot of money has been left on the table because of the of professionalism. So we, with our organization, SAMI, Student Administration Management Interactive Intelligence, SAMI is designed in a way to help music educators run their businesses without it running them. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. Now you've touched a little bit upon the functionality, but let's say, okay, so I play the drums, for example, and let's say that I want to start teaching other people how to play the drums. What is the process like getting signed up? Once I'm signed up, what does it look like inside the software and what can I actually do? Yeah, good question. It's really easy. If you already are a drummer, then congratulations. You're one of the, one of the best people on the planet. So that's fantastic. <laughs> it's quite simple. Before we get dug, before we dig into that, the software is not live. It's still running beta testing. So don't jump on. Maybe when this podcast goes out, it could be live by then. So definitely go have a look at sammy.com.au. But what you would do is you go, I'm an educator. I want to sign up. You fill in the details that I ask you like any normal scenario. It's actually quite easy. You create a lesson pro or a, a teacher profile, which you can put in your, the places that you teach. You put in any accolades, why you teach, what you teach. Many musicians teach multiple instruments. You can put videos of you performing in there. You can connect it to all your socials. One thing that won't be displayed publicly is your phone number and your email. Because the last thing I want 
is someone jumping on the directory to find you and just giving you a call. And I'll talk about that in a minute as well. We t you're pretty heavy on systemizing and automating things. So uh, yeah. I love that. That's definitely something that I love. And I've got this whole automation process in my life and it's tweaking it every single day, figuring out what I can do to make things better. So once you've set up your teacher profile as an educator, then you create your lesson times. So it's basically a, a Gantt chart or a, sorry, a, a Kanban board with all your lesson times and all your locations. And you just set up a block of lesson times. And then once you've set that up, then you can turn on your profile cells live and people can find you in the directory. And the reason they don't have to call you is because all the information they'll be asking you, when do you teach? What do you teach? How do you teach? What price do you charge? All this stuff is right there for the parent to click and then enroll. And we do online as well. So it's a global platform as well as the on the in-person lessons, which I do most of. Once your uh, lesson slots have been created and someone can find you, if you already have students, you can send them a direct link to that lesson time as well. So they can just drop straight into that lesson. You don't have to wait for them to go and find you. They enroll, they make their payments. They pay for the upcoming lessons and two lessons in advance, which means that you know you're going to get paid at the end of that week. And if their credit card fails or their debit fails for whatever reason, they can't afford it or there's no money on the card, there's already two lessons in advance. So you know that you've got some time to, to fix that if there's a problem. Once the lesson time comes around, so it's say 5.30 on a Wednesday night, the student rocks up, they have the lesson. Sammy knows the student's there. There's no need for the, the educator to open up a book, tick a, a name, sign next to a name. There's none of that. There's more people that cancel than they do rock up. The parents are paying course they're going to rock up. The biggest problem is the educator, sometimes they forget to cancel the lessons. Parents can cancel the lessons in advance. So we've thought of everything. I've been playing in this space since I was been teaching since I was 15. I'm not quite 15 anymore. And I try and automate this as much as I can because I don't want to have to worry about who's paid, who's not paid. I feel terrible about giving little Johnny a lesson when I know that they owe me for three terms, almost a whole year, $900, $1,200. And it's happened and it happens a lot. So if we can remove that problem, musicians will be a happier breed of uh, humans. Awesome. I love it. And happier musicians uh, make for a happier world, I would argue. So I'm all for that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now tell me, you mentioned before we started the interview that you've basically been very entrepreneurial, even from a young age, from your teenagers on. What got you interested in going into business for yourself in the first place? I made money when I was in probably year five so as a nine-year-old or something like that at school. Do you know the stress balls that you would get, which is basically a balloon full of rice. So in my schooling years, primary school, I would really annoy the, the educators and then they'll put me in the corner with a bag of balloons and some rice and say, can you make me a stress ball? So I would create the problem and sell them the solution because I would sell them the stress ball and a dollar each, $2 each. So I was making five, 10 bucks a day. That's really annoying these teachers. I got really good at being annoying and they put me in a corner and you know, I'd make <laughs> these stress balls. Times have changed. I'm sure back in the old days, they would just whip you and throw things at you. But now they like they try and nurture the ADHD that I had. The annoying was just tapping on things. Just go away. You're ignoring you're annoying the class. So I would make these stress balls. And then I started making business cards for my teachers and I'd sell them their business cards and things are different. Now. Parents, teachers can't give their kids any money at school. Let's imagine that. But that's where it started. And then my dad's run a business his whole life. He's a motor mechanic. And he did his apprenticeship here in the snowy mountains in Sydney, which is like minus million degrees, freezing cold sludge, working on diesel engines. And so he got out of that trade and he ran his own business. Once again, really great mechanic, had to learn the business skills to run a business. So him and his father, my granddad, they ran a business called Barter's Auto Repairs, of course, in the name. So he was a second generation. 
And he, I could see him doing his business. And every Thursday night was bookkeeping night in the family home. And I'd, I'd listen to them while I'm watching ALF on TV or whatever was playing. And I would hear them have conversations about robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's the that terminology we always use as entrepreneurs. But in that world, it wasn't startup. It was like, we're opening a thing. We've put some money in. We need to make sure we're making money. So he's talking about how to get more business, talking about how to make sure the wages are getting covered. When, they're not, when there's not enough money, who do they not pay? So that then they can keep paying. So they don't cause bad relationships between their staff. They had seven staff, seven mechanics. So that was when I was young. And then it continued my trait of being annoying and being very dis- through my high school years. So I got taken out of school halfway through year 10 by my mum and dad because school wasn't for me. I was, I think I was bored. I'm very inquisitive. I like learning things about lots of different things. They were teaching me things about things that I didn't want to know anything about. I don't care about the moon and I'm not a, I had no plans to go to Mars, but I really follow Elon right now. So maybe I should have listened up a little bit. I didn't care about, I didn't care about algebra. I didn't care about trigonometry. I thought, why am I ever going to learn this? I'm a drummer. I'm just going to travel the world. I'm going to play drums my whole life. I'm going to, I'm going to be a rock star. And this is when I'm 10, 10, year 10. School has become a bit of a problem. So they took me out of school. And what does a good parent do when they take you out of school? They put you in more school. So I did an <laughs> apprenticeship as an electronic technician. And that was the ultimatum. I want to take you out of school. How do you feel about being an electronic technician? And at that point, I really liked, and I still do, really like tinkering with technology. I feel like I've already built the arc reactor far earlier than Elon, sorry, than, than Iron Man. I was always tinkering and always blowing things up, getting electrocuted at a young age in the shed many times by 200 volts, like proper electrocuted. It was great. I loved it. And it really energized me to go forward in life. So I, I, started, I started this apprenticeship, but then the, the owner of the business said, I, 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 he can't keep me on anymore because the business wasn't making enough to cover me. He was going through some marital problems and he said, look, I can't offer you the apprenticeship anymore, but I can get you a job with my friend down south, which was like a, a four and a half, five hour round trip from where I lived at the time. Didn't really appeal to me. Or he said, jokingly, or you can buy this business. Ha. My dad and I, we put the hat around and we bought the business from the guy. So I was, before I turned 18, I was 17 and I bought this business. I've gone from being a technician to running a business and I had some support from family and friends that here's what you do. I had an accountant at the time, which helped with things. But I was 17 and I was running a business that was turning over you know, a few hundred thousand dollars a year. I had no idea what budgeting was. I had no idea what tax meant and what it meant when I didn't pay tax. I didn't understand any of this. I just was making the money and spending the money. That caused some problems. It caused me to be resentful of the position that I'd been fortunate enough to be given as the owner. I'm 17. I'm like, oh my God, all my friends are still at school. They're learning algebra. I'm counting money with, with just the plus side of the, the mathematical equation and, and then minus how much I'm losing by not paying. You know, that was learning how to run a business. No, let me rephrase. That was, earning, that was learning like what it was to have a business run me because I didn't know what I was doing. Things got pretty heavy. I stopped renting the place because it was a cost I couldn't afford anymore. And at that time, TV and video repairs were going through a transition where you didn't buy, you didn't fix, you bought a new one. And I, I was maybe the guy that sold me the thing, saw the writing on the wall. I operated the business for five years before moving out of that location to a shed in the back of nowhere, in the back of my dad's workshop on a side street with no rent. But what I did then was I increased my turnover because I didn't have a shop front, which meant I had many shop fronts. I created partnerships with uh, organizations who would work as like a dry cleaning service. They would drop their equipment off to these buildings and these businesses all around Adelaide. 
and I put on my first employee who drove a van that looked good. He, he had to go and pick up these things from, he was the front of my business. So he went to these organizations. He picked up the, the video cassette recorder, the DVD player or the, the, the big, the TVs back then, yeah. the big, huge fat things. He had chucked them in the back of the van and he would go to the, the workshop. He would unload the van and he would look for all the things that I had lined up ready to go back and he would take them back. And that would just open up myself. Went from a shrinking economy to making five times as much money because I extended my reach. And I thought, this is great. This is actually a better model. It's like dry cleaning, but for TV video repair. So I sustained that for a little while. And then I, I went, you know what? I really don't like doing what I'm doing because now I'm not the face. I'm not the front. And employing technicians was extremely more expensive than employing someone with a van. So I was doing all the work. So I would rock up there at any point. It might be, we get pretty hot weather here in, in Australia, as you, you may imagine. I, I would roll into the workshop, which was a big old shed. And we would hit temperatures of 70 degrees in this shed. So I'm sitting there in the middle of the day, sweating, dropping water onto electronic circuit boards from my head, trying to fix these things. I went, oh, I don't need to be here today. I want to go to the beach. So I go to the beach and I come back later on when the sun goes down. I found myself working all night in the cool, beautiful, 20 degree, nice breeze. But then I'll stay awake all day. So I was getting very little sleep. I was figuring out how I can make more money, do no work. I went, ah, oh, this, this sucks. So I went and got a job. Went and got a job in a call center selling hotel accommodation, meeting all my targets. I did that for a little while. That also was very sucky, very boring because I wasn't doing anything I liked. I was around yeah. people. But I wasn't fixing things with my hands. I wasn't being an electronic technician. I wasn't playing drums as much as I would have liked because at my studio, my, my workshop, I could play all day on the drums because it's industrial and play all night. So I'd fix a video, I'd celebrate and play a song. I'd fix a TV, I'd celebrate, I'd play a song. It was great. And, and I did really well. well. That was before the days of, I could, I should have recorded and made YouTube videos. This is before YouTube. How far do you want me to get into this? What I'd really like to do is bring up something that kind of came through in what you were saying. And it's something that so many entrepreneurs deal with because you, you don't get training how to be an entrepreneur in school. You're not born innately knowing how to run a business. And what you find is so many people start or buy a business because you they know how to do the work done inside the business and then realize that they know nothing about running a business. So that I'd like to bring back to the music space. Now, you touched a little bit about how Sammy can help musicians make sure they get paid and get their admin work done. What would you say mm -hmm. besides that? is one or two things that musicians as a group really need help with in business where they know how to do the work in the business, but they haven't learned how to work on the business. There's a great book by Derek Sivers called Your Music, Your People. And if you're a musician listening to this or an artist of any description, whether you paint pictures, whether you, I don't know, make sculptures out of sand. If you're any artist of any description, please go read that book. It's called Your Music, Your People by Derek Sivers, uh, sorry, Your Music and People. Derek Sivers, it's basically my Bible. This guy explains everything so well. And what he explains in this book is musicians get really good at musician. Artists get really good at arting. But when it comes to promoting their brand, promoting who they are, promoting what they do, in the hopes of making some more money, then they don't know what to do at that point. Like now I've got some interest. In my TEDx talk, I, I talk a lot about how to create that link between being a performer and getting paid. Musicians have the best, worst businesses because we do what we love to do. We, our job is to create. Our job is to play. Our job is to perform. But when we 
get to do the admin stuff, they're like, oh, hang on, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And I'm not having a dig at any musicians because I'm sure there are musicians that know how to do this well or they've got a team or they make enough money to pay someone to help with that. But when you're a creative musician, you generally like creating music or art, not creating admin or creating admin problems from the lack of knowledge of creating or doing admin. So this book, and as much as I sound weird saying this, everything I would have loved to have published in the book, this guy has published in the book. So there's no point in me, I'm just going to write my name on here. And thanks, Derek, I appreciate you. The, the idea of your art does not, your creativity and your art does not finish at the end of the canvas. It does not finish when you leave that studio. So musicians need to be better at owning the beautiful craft and the beautiful talent that they have and that they have learnt. They need to own that. And that is how they make money. Because if you get paid to do the things you love to do, you can do more of it. It puts you in your flow state. You don't have to worry about where am I going to get paid? Where How am I going to pay my rent? I'd love to have a new guitar. I can't even afford to put fuel in my car to get to a gig. Now, I've been there. The $27 sleeping on my mate's couch, that's not my story. Maybe $28 sleeping on my parents' couch. But the, it's, you know, everyone uses that story in the entrepreneur world, so I had to change it up a little bit. The idea of being in your flow state and going, all right, what am I going? Being allowed to, without any financial impact, being allowed to book a studio, which is you know a thousand or two to ten thousand dollars a day, plus an engineer, plus knowing that you're not going to make money while you're there because that money comes after. Knowing that you're going to be in a space of creativity, but if you've got something lurking, ah oh, crap, I've got to ring my landlord. I forgot to pay rent, or I forgot that I have a, a a bill that I need to pay, and you're not going to be in your flow state. I do a lot of video editing. It's something I like to do just for friends. I've done some film clips for some bands and. I just like taking a story and, and sharing that. So you jump on a computer and you do a quick little edit. Seven hours later, it's a beautiful masterpiece. And if I've, I've probably got the same coffee at the beginning as I do at the end. It's just cold and moldy. But I, I haven't even noticed. I'm just sitting here at my workstation. I've got a beautiful view. It looks out the, over the Adelaide Hills. I've got everything I need within reach, but I just i am focused. I'm in my flow state as a video creating artist. When I'm on my drum set, if I have no other meetings I need to attend, I'll just play. I'll put headphones on, I'll play to a click, and I'll just play for hours. And I'll still do that. I've been playing my whole life since I was 10. I'm 42 now, and I still love the enjoyment of jumping on the drum kit and just playing for the sake of playing. No audience, it's great. It's a flow state. So musicians need to acknowledge the fact that they're allowed to get in that flow state, but they have to create something that allows them to do that without being half pregnant, half in the flow state, half thinking of life outside. So if we can be supported by an investor or a, a Patreon or the, the outside world to help us do what we need to do, we become better people and we can serve more. We can serve humanity. We can serve the environment. We can serve our friends and family because we've had our cup filled up. We, I like to think that no one's in charge of filling my cup except for me. So I take the time yeah. to do that. And I don't mean financially. The, the financial cup is, I don't know if that's ever going to be filled, but I... Now, you can help me with this because I know you wanted to talk about this in a, in a minute, but the passion cup, the passionate cup, my PB cup, I've got my logo on my things. So I, I find it's very important to find ways to fill your cup as a, as a creative without worrying about the finances. Awesome. I love that answer. Amazing. It's a long answer. What I do with, with, with my talks, I, I, I go through these things and then I summarize at the end. And I could have just taken that summarization 
you can cut all the other stuff out and just put the summarization. It'll be like a three minute interview, but to the point. I do have some more questions I want to ask you about the business itself. Now, normally the people we interview for the most part have been operating their business for a few to several years. So it's going to be a little bit different for you, obviously, since you're in the startup phase. But what has been the biggest capital constraint for you as you get the business going? We hit a milestone when we hit milestones. There's been a number of them. We need funding to get to a milestone and we get to the milestone. We build a product bit by bit and then we release it to the market and we go, oh, there's a test. We've got a few people using it. And then we go, all right, now we need to do that. Now we need more money. And I go to all the other investors and also all the, all the current investors and say, hey, look, we've got to, how much money do you need? And we needed money to get to that point. Now we're at that point. So thank you for that input. Let's pretend you've not invested. Now we need money to get to this point. And I start to feel a little bit crappy about that because I'm going back to the investor making me feel these are friends and family. These are not seasoned investors. They're not sophisticated investors, which is a term that America uses far more than Australia. Uh, a sophisticated investor here is someone who's invested into things and they've got money to not worry about it going away. But sophisticated investor, for those who don't know, if you're an Australian listening, and a sophisticated investor is someone who's actually qualified to do an investment because the amount of money they're investing is not going to impact on their ability to, to live a life. So they don't put all of their money into an investment because that's a right. stupid investor. Like I've put all my money that I've got into this thing. What was your question again? Yeah, um, I was just asking the capital constraints of the business and kind of what the biggest okay. challenge is, but uh, it seems like you've answered that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the capital constraints are moving forward in milestones. We've we've raised some funding. We're on another raise now. We've got some good investors leaning in to, to really have a look. We've been checked out by some pretty big players in the market through LinkedIn views and conversations and unexpected emails and unexpected likes on our posts. And those people that are liking are connected to extremely large organizations and capital venture firms, venture capital firms. So we know that there's a, a good pool of money coming in so we can put the team together because that's what, that's the only thing is we're just, the constraint is not money. The constraint is having a team, but the team need to be paid. If these guys would work for nothing, it'd be done already. But I, and I don't, and I don't want these people to work for nothing because go back to my flow state, these data analysis people, the software development people, that's what they love to do. The engineers we have doing the build, the, the software engineers, they're amazing. And that's what they love to do. So I had to make sure I can pay them and not have them worry about going somewhere else. Yeah, that makes sense. It's important for everybody to get paid. And that's one thing that so many entrepreneurs overlook, especially in the beginning, or choose not to do, which is also fine too, because it's your sweat equity. But so many business owners don't pay themselves at mm -hmm. all when they get started because all the money is going back into the business. Can you tell us what that's like for you? Are you currently taking a salary? Did you have your own money that you're investing in this? Do you have something else that you do as well? So I teach music. I'm a product of the platform. I'm a music educator. I teach in a bunch of schools. I have 80 students a week and they each pay me through the platform and I get paid at the end of every week. So I don't have to worry about chasing the money anymore. I go and do what I love to do. And that's being a music educator. I've won awards for this. I've been doing it for many years. So I love teaching and I don't have to worry about chasing that money. So tick that box. So that's how I make my money. And it gives me enough money to do what I need to do as a human. You know, I've got a, I've got teenage boys. Uh, I live in a, a beautiful apartment and I've got my vehicles that can get me around the place. I've got my hobbies and my passions. The money that has gone into the build into our software platform has not come from me uh, on a weekly basis. There's been no major investment from me. I'm doing everything I need to do as a founder for free. 
I'm not getting paid. There's been not one red cent that's come to me from investment. It's all gone back into the business. And in some cases, when I get a, do a good gig, I get a bunch of cash, I win the lotto, which I've never done. I, I put that money into the build. My partner and I, my life partner and my business partner, as she had a house that she sold, we lived in together. A bit of money from that equity, from the house, a sale of the house went into the build to start. So, and, and investors like to hear that. They're like, you're not just relying on us. No, we've actually invested at this point in this very day, right now, we have invested $2,000 more than all of our investment combined. So we're leading that race. We're not just sitting back and going, no, we need you to do it all. We can't, we're backing this as much as they are, you know, which is almost a one-to-one ratio, dollar for dollar. So I find that's important. If you can do that as a founder, I think investors like that, but then you might get one investor, which we have, you get one investor that would say, no, I want you to work on the business full time. Okay, then give me a hundred grand a year. And they're like, no, you need to go live in a tent. You need to sell everything you've got. You need to drink water. You need to have wheat bix and water for breakfast. And a Vegemite straight out of the jar, no bread. Because Vegemite lasts forever. The bread will go off in a week. So there's some investors that I exaggerate there. That's not what they're saying. But yeah, I think you've got to still be happy running a business and, and not get overwhelmed. And running a startup, creating a startup is so demanding. It's so hard. It's so much more than what the investors think, unless they've invested into this and they've done this themselves. So for anyone out there that's starting a business that's got ideas and they're trying to get momentum and funding. I I see you. I feel you. It's a hard gig. Keep it up. Be real. Be a human. Yeah. I think that the the journey they really want to go on when you get down to it is they want to put in money, not have to do anything or worry about it and then get money back out later on. You got it. Chris, they're outsourcing (laughs) their ability to make money. I I had a conversation with an investor. This is a quick one. had a conversation with an investor and he he was upset with the fact he didn't invest. He was upset with the fact that we're outsourcing our our web, our build. In that case, from Adelaide to Sydney, that's where the developers were. He was upset with the fact that we were going to outsource our marketing to an offshore company. He said, no, you got to do it all yourself. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) Do it yourself. I'm like, marketing, I think I'm okay. But I know there's far better organizations that have the data and the stats that we need to lean on. And when it comes to building code, yeah, I can do it. But if I do that, then nothing's getting done. Yeah. And so I'm like, and I said to him, mate, you need to outsource your, you're just outsourcing your ability to make money because you can't do it yourself. I love it. You're using us. When, tell me when there's going to be a time where an investor says, Hey man, can you show me your pitch deck? I'm like, you show me yours first. Because right. I'm not going to get, I don't want money from everybody. They've got to be the right kind of person, the right kind of organization. You tell me why I want your money. You tell me why I'm going to give you a part of my company, damn it. Yeah, yeah sure, we need money, but why is it going to come from you? Why are you going to invest into us when you keep telling us there's 20 million other companies just like you looking for money? There's probably 100 million investors just like you looking for investment. Yep. Yeah. It's so important to find the people that you (laughs) resonate with and you have common values with if they're going to invest in your business. Uh, Otherwise, they're for the ride. They're just along for money. Absolutely. And look, that's okay. It's it's a big economy that we're playing in. There's some money to be shared. And I'd love to share that success, the financial success and changing the ecosystem in music education. That's the ultimate goal. We've got a a charity that we want to launch, a foundation that we want to launch off the back of this huge market that we're creating. This doesn't happen with one or two people. It happens with hundreds of people in the team. And it happens with millions of dollars worth of money poured into this thing. And if you don't want to come on that journey, then I don't want your money. 
Makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Mm. Okay, Pete, now I've got one more question for you. And I want to ask you about financial freedom. Personally for you, and let's move beyond a dollar figure, a number. When you're at the point where your business can completely operate without you, if you don't want to show up, you don't have to, and you're making all the money you could ever need to fund the kind of lifestyle that you really desire, what will you be doing with your time? And what does that lifestyle look like for you? I'd like to travel. I would like to travel. I haven't done a great deal of travel. My my partner is just coming back from the UK, Europe. She's been to all these beautiful places. She's sending me photos. She's literally on a flight now from Singapore to back to Australia. And yeah, travel is something that I feel like I need to do properly. I've been overseas a number of times in Fiji, Malaysia, Singapore, Bali, of course, everyone goes there. Bali is another state of Australia, to be honest. But yeah, there's a lot of places I like to go to. And not just to travel, to sip coffee and sit on the thing and look at the horizon of the sunset. Get involved in the communities that are music education communities or music communities. Because when you travel as a musician, I know the musicians that are listening can vouch for this. If I go to any venue and I'm and I'm on holiday and I say to them, we just have a conversation about music. And I play in a band back in Adelaide and I'm sure everyone plays in music, whatever. And I'm like, is there any is there anywhere around here I can go and play? You know, I'd like to actually be involved and, and make some music while I'm here. Not for money, because I'm traveling. It's a tourist visa, not a business visa, just to be clear if anyone from the government are watching. So in, in, in those cases, I've got to play in all those places that I've mentioned. But I haven't gone with that in mind. I've just had a conversation. Musicians can play anywhere in the world. And as a drummer, all I need is a pair of drumsticks. So that's my passport, really, to, to get into the communities. I've got great friends in all the countries that I've played in because we've connected through music. Music is the biggest connective tissue. It's huge. Yeah. It's global. So I'd like to travel, not for the sake of going to Paris and look, oh my God, it's an Eiffel Tower. Looks, I'm sure it's amazing. Doing the Eiffel Tower during the day and then go and play a gig at night, meet with some people, ask about their culture, ask about what things are about. That's what I'd like to do more of and take my family and friends with me, awesome. more importantly. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer. And when it comes down to it, it, it never is the number, right? We don't want money. Okay, some people no. like, look, it says I have a million dollars. Isn't that amazing? But in the end, money's only useful if you actually use it for something. Otherwise, it just sits in a mm -hmm. bank and does nothing. Absolutely. 100%. Look, I'll travel everywhere in the world for free if they didn't charge me. But they want money for things because they need to be paid. If the air getting paid, he might not have a, might not have a responsibility. He might not even rock up. Yep, absolutely. Okay, Pete, now before I let you go, for everybody out there who's interested in learning more about Sammy and about what you do, where can they go for that? Just give me a call on the phone. You can go to petebarter.com, P-E-T-E-B-A-R-T-E-R. -E -E I'm sure it's in the show notes, petebarter.com. Go there. You can see my TEDx talk where I talk about this in more succinct detail because <laughs> doing a TEDx was hard work. I like to talk. I like to go down a funnel, down a rabbit hole. And TEDx doesn't allow you to do that. You can go to, you can see my companies from there. So go petebarter.com. That's where you'll see the things that I've done, the keynote presentations that I present. There's a lot of things. So excellent. Thank so do you have a date that the beta testing will be finished and the app will go live or are you still figuring that out? Based on potential current investment lurking, by the end of this year, we would have almost a thousand educators on the platform. So that would be based on investment. Yeah, there's no date. Make it a lot more user-friendly and be more accessible for the general public to use. And when we talk about Sammy as an organization, Nothing in this title, S-A-M-I says music. The M is for management and the S is for student. 
and the A is for admin. So we are going to go across into alternate universes, parallel universes, where it's soccer coaching, chess coaching, um, barista coaching, corporate consulting, all those other disciplines. Sammy, the platform will manage them as well because it's the same problem. If you're really good at kicking a soccer ball and you've done that your whole life, you've literally run around a soccer field your whole life kicking a ball. When it comes to writing invoices, you scratch your head. So we're going to support you as well. We're going to help you and manage your passion to share what you know as a sports fanatic on the sports field to get other kids involved in this. And yeah, there's a lot of kids learning sport. There's a lot of kids playing chess. There's a lot of people teaching languages. So, you know, we support them as well. That's awesome. That's super cool. And I'm sure it's going to be helpful and useful for so many people. Pete, it's been an absolute blast talking to you. I've loved having you on the podcast. And do you have any parting words or any advice for all the entrepreneurs out there listening? You can never quit being an entrepreneur. So sucked in, you are stuck. If you quit from being an entrepreneur, you were never an entrepreneur. Concise, easy enough. Very cool. All right. Everybody else out there, if you're listening and you enjoyed today's podcast as much as I did, please go ahead and subscribe if you haven't yet and leave us one of those five-star reviews. It helps us a ton and get the word out to more other entrepreneurs. And if you happen to be a six-figure plus online entrepreneur and you want to come on our show, just like our amazing guest Pete today, we would love to talk to you about your business and your journey. To do that, you can go to pyfpodcast.com. That's the letters pyfpodcast.com. Pete, thanks again. Pleasure. Absolute. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Chris. Your, your podcasts are amazing. And I have listened to a number of them before I jumped on to see what I was getting myself into. And to be honest, I've backed out of a few other podcasts because it wasn't something that aligned with how I feel. So I'm glad we've kept this date. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And thank all of you out there for listening. We will see you on the next episode. Ciao for now. If you've listened this far, chances are you're an entrepreneur looking to become more financially literate and create financial freedom for yourself from your business. The Pay Yourself First podcast is definitely here to help with that. My goal is to continue to share what I've learned about using your business as the tool to create financial freedom. But let's face it, it would take me years to share with you everything you need to know via these episodes. Creating financial freedom is something that most people never even consider, let alone make a plan for or take action towards. It's something almost no one was taught anything about. Doing it as an entrepreneur is even more challenging, especially without support. So if you're ready to get clear on what financial freedom looks like for you, come up with an action plan and get the support systems and accountability you need, I invite you to consider the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur. I created the program to help entrepreneurs just like you get a handle on their personal and business finances and start building confidently towards financial freedom. And it's how you can discover ways to take 10 years off your retirement, add an extra five or six figures to your portfolio, and finally get clear on what numbers you should be tracking in your business and why. Together, we'll gain clarity around your financial goals and what being financially free would actually look like for you. Then we'll put together a customized game plan to get you there and the accountability to see you through. And by the way, you're also gonna get all the spreadsheets you need to run your numbers lifetime access to the materials, including any updates, and entry into our members-only community. In addition to all the knowledge, coaching, community, and systems that you need to create financial freedom from your business, you'll also receive a free financial assessment, a retirement planning session, and guided meditation aimed at helping you embody the feeling of true financial freedom. So yeah, you can just listen to the free content on these podcasts to help you move towards becoming a financially free entrepreneur. And sure, 
you'll likely see some results. Or you can make the decision to commit to learning, implementing, and embodying what you need to know to create the financially free life you dreamed of when you started your business journey. Click the link in the show notes to answer a quick questionnaire and you'll be on your way to joining the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur.